privilege it is to be here tonight and have an opportunity to greet you in the name of the Lord and come here with a mission. And, and so I'm a man on a mission, that's for sure. And I'm here to rally the troops, encourage the saints, and to declare that we are here and we shall see miracles. Once more, I'm here to represent the thousands around the world who are standing believing with you as we go together through um, facing the enemy and we shall overcome. Hey. Amen. As um, said, I, I was here 12 years ago when Brother Ron was laying at a point of death and I spoke to you that God would have a testimony. Amen. And we've seen that testimony in action. I spoke. Amen. Amen. And I spoke on God's Hall of Fame and just described the weapons of those down to the ages through the times. And now it was our turn to use them. And here we are again tonight as we fast forward now, now 12 years or so. And we're standing here at this moment in this time. And again, we're on a mission. We're going to see the Holy Spirit move on our behalf. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. And as we bow before the throne of grace, maybe you've got a need in your life. You just like to just say, Lord, will you just come by my way and speak to me? Come to my pew wherever I am and speak to me in a very personal way. And give me strength in this hour and encouragement. Father, we love you, we thank you, we appreciate you for this opportunity to serve you. And Lord, as we stand here, we're standing here in your name. I have come in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I believe that you have sent me here for this time and this moment. And I know my position as a son of yours. And having been adopted by God and the adoptive robe of the Holy Ghost we have around us, a badge of authority as believers, and we've come into your name to act in your name, to represent you tonight, and we're just yielding ourselves to you now, Father. We can do nothing of ourselves. We know that, and very humbly we come in that manner. But then on the other hand, boldly, we come before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Yeah. Because you instructed us to come that way, not as, not as, um, as some foreigners or someone that's not of your household, but to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. And you saw the hands that was lifted tonight. You know the needs of your children and, the, oh God, the desire that is in their heart. There are many that are streaming tonight and, and, and even, no doubt, some from home that will be joining with us and serve us in different other places from perhaps around the world that will be viewing this service tonight. And we just pray, God, you'll speak to them and their need too because you're a God that uh, cares about your children. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that as the word goes forth tonight that it'll break every fetter and it'll cause us to believe 
because that's what we are to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And we just pray the catalysts of the Holy Spirit will be here then to ignite the faith that we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, we'll read from the first verse. And, um, you know, I, I'll not make any excuses for how long I'm going to preach or how short I'm going to preach. I'm just going to preach. Amen. Amen. We've got a job to do, and we're just going to do it. Just pray God will fill our mouths with the good things to say and stop us when we said enough. Amen. We'll just do part two another day. Amen. But it's, it's so good to be here with you and to be able to share the good news. Amen. I believe we got good news tonight. God still reigns. He's still on the throne. No matter what your problem is or your situation, God's still God. It hadn't changed who he is. Amen. Your trouble, your problems, what we're going through tonight hasn't changed who God is. He's still God. And he's here to meet your need tonight. Amen. To speak to your heart, to minister to you. Amen. So Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. But all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he hath made his, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When, he, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, 
and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And then let's go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And we're coming to our church age that we are presently living in, that we're part of right now, that a messenger has come to, to, to fulfill this part. But this is our word. This is the word of the Lord to our age, to our time. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to be speaking tonight on who hath believed our report. And we've got a lot of reports here lately. and We have been with you every step of the way and as many have around the world and different places. As, and I personally have received many calls from different places, questions, things, uh, emails, um, texts, and so on from overseas and different ones as well, inquiring about uh, the needs that are here and our brother Ron and his family and the church here. And, and uh, so we've received a lot of different reports. That's for sure. But... This is a thing that he says in his scripture, who hath believed our report. The doctors have a report and men say what they can think and, and what they know the best of their understanding, but I'm here to talk about his report tonight. Now, and I'm here to report of what the faithful and the true witness has to say. The amen of God. Amen. The, the faithful and true witness, when we think of that, you know, God would come service after service after service to vindicate the word that had been preached. As you know, and discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And tell where people were from and what situation and what, what needs that they had, their names, addresses. Because God is just that kind of God. He's a personal God. And he cares about you and he cares about your needs. So he would show himself over and over and over that he is a personal God and that he knows. He knows everything before we even understand what the situation is. He already knows what the situation is. And Brother Branham would say of this, um, this particular scripture in the church age book, he said, these things saith the faithful and the true witness. Now, I want to show you what I find in the thought of faithful. You know, we often talk about a great unchanging God whose word does not change. And when we speak of him after that manner, we often get a view of him that makes him seem very impersonal. It says, though God made the whole universe and all the laws that pertain to it and then stood back and became a great impersonal God. It is though that God made a way of salvation for lost mankind, that, that way being the cross. And then when the death of Christ is atoned for our sins and his resurrection gave us an open door to him, God just folded his hands and stood back. And it says, if we have majored in believing in a great creator who being created, after create, having created, lost personal interest in his creation. And he said, now I want to say that's how many people are apt to think, but it's wrong thinking. Right. 
For God is governing in the affairs of men right now. He is both creator and sustainer. And Colossians 1 and 16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, and all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And by him all things exist. He's a sovereign God. And by his own counsel he purposed the plan of salvation of his own elect, which he foreknew. And the son died upon the cross to establish the means of salvation. And the Holy Spirit carefully executes the will of the Father. And he's working all things, listen now, at this moment, according to the purpose of his own will. And he's right in the midst of all of it. And he, and he is in the midst of his church. And this great creator, savior God is faithfully working among his own right now. As the great shepherd of the sheep, his very existence is for his own. You're the reason he exists. You're the reason he does everything that he's ever done is on account of you. He's that kind of a God. He's a personal God. He's taking personal interest in your need and your situation, your problem and what you're going through. His eye is ever upon them. He loves and cares for them. What the words, when the word says your lives are hid with Christ and God, it means exactly what it says. Oh, I'm so glad that my God abides faithful. He is true to himself. He won't lie. He is true to the word. He will back it up. He is true to us. He will lose none of us. But raise us up at the last days. I'm glad that I'm resting upon his faithfulness. Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he that started the work is going to finish it. He's not going to abandon what he started. Amen. He's right here to do his work in this end time, in this day and hour. So according to his unfailing word, that, in that he begun a good work in his church in the first age, he will continue that work all the way to the day of Christ when he comes back for his church. So then we, we sometimes ponder, you know, has he lost interest? And I just say, how could he? Can he forget us? The Bible said in Isaiah 49, 15, can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of, our, of my hands. Forget us while he left all of glory for us. Amen. Jesus came as the life giver. Amen. And, and through, through Adam, of course, came sorrow and pain and sickness and death. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Amen. So he cannot forget what he's doing. He cannot bring us this far and 
send us Malachi 4 and Elijah the prophet and, and prophesy all them times and say it over and over again, even in tongues and interpretation, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. He can't say that and then forget it all. He cannot say, I'll turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers and then abandon the project. He can't do it. He can't do it. It's, it's impossible for God to lie. Now, you know, this life that we have is a quickening life. Amen. Just like the natural life, you must be born into this life. John 3 and 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. So Jesus came to birth us into a new life. Amen. And those that would be born of him would be born of a new race. Amen. They would be a new species unlike anything else. Amen, that has ever been seen since the first creation. They, they would be a spirit men and women. That's what I'm preaching here to. Amen, I'm preaching to spirit born men and women. Born of the Holy Ghost. Empowered by the Holy Ghost. Sons of God. Daughters of God. Men and women who have been called to a purpose and a place in this day and hour. Brother Branham would tell us in spoken word in his original seed, he said to be born of the word and the spirit, it brings us back to the spoken word. Hallelujah. Did you ever think about it? We think sometimes Hattie Wright had something special that happened for her and her children, and indeed it was very special. But every one of you that are born of the Holy Ghost is born just like that, of the spoken word. Amen. The word births you. The Bible said being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. You're born of the word. A word birth, birth in word sons. So he says to be born of the water and the spirit, what does it do? Then it brings you right back again into the place where you should have been at the beginning. See, and that's the reason of Christ's death. It brings us right back again to where sons of God. So here in our second birth, we're born the way we should have been originally. Amen. Now, as we look upon this great life giver, he, he first had to deal with the death that was upon mankind. And, and um, to do this, God would actually become human. He would become one of us. Amen. You know, Hebrews 2.14 says, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same. Then through that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Is that right? Amen. So he, he, again, he would come and take on flesh and blood. Amen. He would come as a man to suffer as a man, to go through what we go through so he could become the proper mediator. That you could be sure he was not just some distant 
out of touch God that was a spirit that never understood humanity. But this God wanted you to know. Amen. He wanted you to know he cared enough for you. He would leave all of glory to become one of you, to become a human just like you are, to go through what you go through, to suffer problems just like you suffer. Amen. So when you go to him that you're not going to a distant God that's out of touch, that has never known what you go through, but this God wanted you to know that he feels your pain. He feels your sorrow. Amen. That he's experienced it all himself. Are you with me now? Amen. Romans 8 and 20, he, he tells us, you know, it makes it clear that man was not originally to die. Nothing would die before Adam. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by the reason of him who subjected the same as hope. So again, let me just translate this. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility and chaos resulting from the consequences of human sin. So you see, human sin subjected all of the universe and all of mankind into a suffering condition. Amen. And since you were made subject to death, he came down from heaven to be one of us in order to elevate us back to sonship again. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15, and to deliver them who was in the fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Hallelujah. He comes to deliver those who are in the fear of death. Amen. For verily he took on not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, wherein all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Amen. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Let me, just, let me just say that again, paraphrase it this way. For in that he suffered himself, has, he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those that are tempted. Amen. And Brother Branham would tell us in the preaching of the Hebrews, he said, he said, God could not suffer in the spirit. So he had to become flesh to feel the pain. Now I'm talking about our report tonight. I'm talking about believing our report. I'm talking about believing what Jesus did. I'm talking about him becoming a human to pay the price of redemption and become the Lamb of God and become your sacrifice and bear your sickness and bear your sins. But God couldn't suffer in the spirit. He had to become flesh to feel the pain of sickness, to feel the temptation of lust, to feel the temptation of want, to feel the temptation of hunger, to feel the power of death. 
that he might take it upon himself to stand in the presence of the great spirit Jehovah to make intercession to this life. And Jesus took that in order to make intercession for us and he knows how it feels. And when you get sick, he knows how, how you feel. When you are tempted, he knows how you feel. Amen. He's been through it. Amen. He, he knows exactly what you have been through and what you're going through. Amen. He knows the temptation. He knows, he knows the battle when Satan comes and whispers in your ear. Come on. It comes along and says, God has forgotten you. That the word, it's not going to, it's happened for others, but it's not for you. That you are left alone and abandoned in this situation. I want you to know God, God knows. He came to experience it for himself. Brother Branham would say, and how could I overcome temptation was for him? You know that? The Bible said he was tempted in all points like we are. Yet without sin, he was tempted by drinking. He was tempted by women. He was tempted by everything that could be tempted by. He was tempted by everything that we are. He was a man, and yet you couldn't put a mark on him. Amen. Now, his redeeming work would be typed out in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he would be shown, uh, he would show, uh, give the example of the high priest as Jesus would become the high priest. And his redeeming work would also be typed out in the sacrifices because he would not only be the high priest, but he would be the sacrifice. Amen. So every bullock would represent him. The turtle doves, every lamb, every goat, you know, all, all of that which was sacrificed would represent him in his sacrifice. Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, Aaron, the high priest, was instructed to take two goat kids for a sin offering. And he would cast lots and choose one to be offered as a sin offering. In this, and then, then the other would be the scapegoat, which according to the dictionary is a person who is blamed for someone else's wrongdoing. And this is what happened in the Old Testament type. To make it become a scapegoat, Jesus would be blamed for your sins. He would be punished for your sins. And because of your sins, also for your sickness. Because it's a dual atonement. Come on, when sin came in, sickness came in. And so Jesus would actually, actually become the one blamed Take on the sinless one who had done no sin would become blamed and the blame put on him and him go to death in your place. Now I'm preaching about our report. Amen. Now, this happened in the Old Testament type. Would you like to read it with me in Leviticus 16 verse 21? And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities 
of the, of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins and putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Amen. I want you to watch this here because God was actually showing us something. As, as two goats was taken and lots was cast, one would become a sin offering and be slaughtered and the other, they would put the sins of the people upon him and take him out in the wilderness. Now, Brother Branham would tell us that both of the goats represented Christ. Theologians sometimes will tell you that one of them represented Christ and the scapegoat represented the devil. But if so, then, then the devil is representing us in redemption. And Satan don't have a part in redemption. Are you with me? Amen. And so, but this is what happened to Jesus. He was the one that God laid upon the iniquity of us all. Amen. Isaiah 53 and 3, where he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. And Jesus, remember, John would identify him and say, Behold the Lamb of God. Because now the Lamb of God had taken on human flesh. The sacrifice had become a human. God had become a man. Hallelujah. And Jesus would be wounded and torn and beat and punished and bruised and slapped. Amen. Now I want you just a moment to picture this little goat kid. He's innocent. He's never done any wrong. He's never done any sin. He's just a little animal. And, and here he's taken and the lot is cast upon him. And he's a scapegoat. And they lay all of the sins of the people on this goat. And they lead him out into the wilderness by a fit man. So he's going to go way out into the wilderness. Very strong, athletic, fit man is going to take him out, lead him out into the wilderness. The man would have to hide his face from the little goat. So he would be left alone and abandoned. Are you with me now? Because this would, would be the very thing that would happen to Jesus, your sacrifice. Where he would cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Now you remember, you know, a goat is a domesticated animal. I used to raise them. I had champion goats. I, I've, I raised them for many years. I, I, I know all about their care. I know, I know how, they, how they are. I know their nature. I know the way that they do. They're not a, they're not a wicked animal. They, they were a clean animal that represented a sacrifice. And there, they will follow you as, a, as, a, as a, a man. They will follow you out into pastures. And they're very afraid to be left alone. I've taken mine and walked out in the woods because they're, 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 they were browsers, not grazers. And so taking them out into the woods where they're like a deer, they like to forage and eat, well, reach up high for their food. And so, you know, I, I, I would walk out there with them and, and, and they were always looking to see where I was. And I couldn't leave them out there. Because if I, if I tried to leave them right back to the barn, they'd go just as fast as they could go. And, and so, you know, I, you know, I, 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 know, I know how they were. But, this, now, but you, I know the terror that they would feel when they would be left alone. And, I, you know, I just want you to imagine the terror of this little goat scared fearful, running through the thorns, cut, pierced, then pounced upon and, and, and torn and ripped apart as he's making an atonement for the sins that he didn't even do. The sins of man, not his own sins. Amen, this was Jesus. Amen, wounded torn, beat, punished, whipped, bruised, slapped, crowned with thorns. And he took this in his flesh for your healing. For your healing. Hallelujah. Think about it. He would be forsaken so you wouldn't be forsaken. He would be abandoned sent to hell in your place into the wilderness in your place I'm talking about our redeemer now amen brother Branham would say he said even at Gethsemane he said he died more death at Gethsemane you know than, than, than he did even on the cross he said when the eternal destination of every soul that ever was or ever would be on earth rested on his decision Amen. In the book of Hebrews, he says, during the days, Christ's days on earth, he pleaded with God, praying with a passion and with tearful agony that God would spare him from death. Amen. Oh, yes. But in that great crucial hour, until he suffered, knowing all things, until such suffering to his water and blood separated in his body, and great drops of sweat like blood dropped from his brow. Uh, you know, and there he, he would die more death at Gethsemane than he would on the cross. And what was he doing? He was becoming the scapegoat. The sinless one having to say, I'll take the, I'll, I've never committed adultery. I've never done anything wrong. 
you know, I'm, I'm a sinless, perfect one that has never, never yielded to temptation, but I've got to take all of the sins of the whole world upon myself, every adultery, every filthy thing, every, every evil spirit, everything that you can imagine, he would have to take the whole gamut of sin upon himself. Amen. What was he doing? Becoming the scapegoat where my sins and your sins were laid upon him. The sinless one. What for? What was his body being beat for? Why, why were stripes being laid on him? Think about this. Stripes being laid on him. He had never sinned. He had never done anything wrong. But he was doing this for you. Where God would lay on him the iniquity of us all. Where your sins would be transferred to him. So his righteousness could be transferred back to you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Why was this? Why would stripes be laid on him? Matthew 8, 16 tells us, when evening was come, that brought him unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and he healed all that were sick. Hallelujah. Amen. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. So you see here again, this is what he would do. He, he, he healed, he delivered to fulfill the scripture. And he's still fulfilling that tonight. Amen, because he hadn't gone and abandoned his project. He knows your needs. He knows how sick you are. He knows how sinful you are. He knows your condition. And God cares about it. I want you to know tonight, you got God's attention. His eyes are upon you tonight. He cares about your situation and how you're feeling. The scapegoat torn by the beast. Can you imagine? Here, somehow, this fit man he takes this little goat out. He has to pull him away from all of his herd mates. Pull him out, get him out, get him out way out in the wilderness. So far, he didn't know his way back. He gets way out in the wilderness. Then the man, you know, will watch him for a few minutes, and the little goat now is picking this little bramble here and this little thing there and eating, feeling his little belly and, you know, looking around at all this unfamiliar stuff and territory. And all of a sudden, the man slips behind a tree. Yeah. Then he, he finds a way and slips out. Yeah. He gets away from the little goat. Yeah. And the little goat now is, finds himself alone. Yeah. Behind every bush is a, 
is an enemy. Something to tear him apart. And he's screaming. He's screaming for his shepherd. And he's yelling. He's bleeding. Where are you? Where are you? you? You've left me. I'm here alone. I'm by myself. I, 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 and and I, I'm defenseless against all of this. My, the enemies that are out here. And, and before you know it, you know, it's calling every kind of thing. Every kind of predator is coming there from, from you know, to, to, that's here in these blades. And here they're coming. And, and now he's been attacked. And he's being pulled this way and his hide his, his being torn and, and his throat being ripped and his belly being opened and, and he dies an awful, awful death torn by beast. And I want you to get a picture of your lamb. You say, lamb, you said it was a goat. Listen, he said, take a lamb from the sheep or the goats. That's right. This little, this little goat kid, also called a lamb in the book of Exodus, he would be torn apart. And I want you to think about your lamb, ever cancer, diabetes, TB, asthma, heart disease, high blood pressure, ever affliction, crippled affliction, blind, deaf, dumb, Lyme's disease, every beast of every kind biting at him, tearing his flesh with every whip of the cord, with every crowning of the thorn. Are you with me? Amen. With every slap that he didn't deserve. But he was paying for your healing. He was paying for your salvation. Somebody with me tonight. Amen. The Bible said in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Colossians 1.21 says in you, 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 who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So his body was an offering for our sickness. But his soul now would go to hell in our place. Because his soul, listen, Isaiah 53, 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet he put him, he had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So his body, now listen, it's a dual atonement. Amen. When sin came in, sickness came with it. Is that right? Amen. So the atonement has to deal with both sin and sickness. So he would actually bear your sickness in his body. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He would bear your affliction. Are you with me now? And his body was an offering for our sickness. But his soul went to hell in our place. Amen. You see, uh, verse 11 said, he shall see the travail of his soul. So it wasn't just the travail of his body, but it would be also the travail of his soul. Amen. Amen. And now, so he said that he would bear their iniquity. So they're in hell. Now I want you to just get a picture because Jesus did not, his body was in the tomb, but he was very much alive. And he went to hell in your place for your sins. Your sins, he would carry them into the wilderness where no man dwells. Hallelujah. And he would carry them into hell. Your sins. My sins. He didn't deserve to go to hell. But God would go to hell in your place. By becoming flesh in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And in hell, he would be punished, haunted, torn, he would bear the brunt of scorns of demons. He would, he would have to endure the bragging of death that says, I got you. You're in my clutches. And he would go with the torment of every demon, tormentor known to man. We got you. And it would tear at his soul. Hey man, can you, can you imagine? Uh, no, you can't imagine it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, this is worse than in the most nightmare at Halloween. You can't even fathom what it was to face every kind of demon power, every spirit of lust, temptation, every kind of devil, you know, haunting at him and pouring, tearing at him and ripping at him. Are you with me? Amen. He, he had to bear the brunt, the scorn, the torment of every demon tormentor known to man that would tear at his soul. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he had made him to be sin for us. He would go to hell a sinner. Yet he never sinned. But he was carrying your sins. Just like the scapegoat never sinned. It didn't know sin. But now it's bearing the sins of the nation. And here he's bearing the sins of the world. Brother Branham will describe hell and the haunting spirits that are there. And the awful feelings. And he would go through all of it. Tearing at him. 
joking, laughing, scorning, every part of it. Now remember, I want you to get this tonight. His body would suffer for your body. His soul would suffer for your soul. It's a dual atonement. Amen. You can't preach the atonement without preaching divine healing. If God saves, he heals. If he still saves him, he's still healing. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, I'm saved tonight. He's still the same healer. His blood still atones. There's a power in that blood. Hallelujah. But on that third day, are you with me? I mean, I, I don't know. I know that, that, that he, he had he spent that time in hell being haunted, pulled out, tormented, everything else. You, his soul for your soul. Are you with me? But on that third day, once his soul had been offered, it descends to the lower regions of hell. Hallelujah. And there as he comes into the lowest regions of hell, when Satan looks at him and says, aha, I got you. And here you are. Yeah, I thought I had you with, with Abel because I knew there would be a seed. And I thought I had you with Moses when I, when I tempted him to sin. And I thought I had you here, but here you come, I got you now. Hallelujah. But there in that moment of time, there was a transformation that started happening. Hallelujah. As there is another scripture that begins to kick in. Because his soul would be offered for, for, for sin. But that wasn't all the scripture. Amen. Because the scripture begins to change from being the sacrifice to the conqueror. Hallelujah. And the scriptures of the mighty conqueror began to take hold of him. Because the scripture had also said, ah, thou will not leave my soul in hell. And neither will I allow my holy one to see corruption. Yeah. Hallelujah. Psalms 49, 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And there in that moment, friends, he changes from, from, from being the, the one beaten and torn and wounded to being the conqueror. Hallelujah. Amen. The sin has been paid for. He doesn't have to pay for him eternally. He does it once and for all. And he can say to Satan, I came here as a sinner, but I'm not a sinner anymore. I am a conqueror, and I'm taking your keys of death and of hell away from you. Because 
city he decides to take a shortcut 
And on the shortcut, he gets down into the slaw, the slaw of despond or despair. And there he gets in, in, that, in that wandering around, he gets caught by the giant of despair. There ain't a one of us that don't know that giant. Amen. Every one of us. We have felt despair many times. Just be honest. On our Christian journey, yeah. We get down in part of the journey and say, you know, when we get into this path and we get captured sometimes by the giant of despair. And he takes him and locks him into a prison. And he won't feed him. And he's starving. And he's dying. And he's getting weaker every day. You know how it is. And every day, the giant of despair comes and beats him up. Slaps him around. Makes fun of him. Shoves him. Slams the gate back. And locks it back. Ha, ha, ha. You've been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And there, you know, he, he would try every day. How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this despair? How do I get out of this prison? Oh, you know, oh, you did this. You did that. You took the wrong path. <laughs> Sometimes we get into despair and we didn't even take the wrong path. You know, every time we hear something, somebody, something happens to somebody, well, what, what kind of sin did you do? We got Job's comforters that want to come around and say, well, you know, I'll tell you, that Ron Spencer must be a real sinner with all the stuff he goes through. No, he's not a sinner. You're just Job's comforter. And when the trial is over, you're going to have to repent. I'm not here as a Job's comforter. No, sir, I'm here to stand beside you and fight this battle. I'm here to give you a report. And report is you're saved, you're healed, you're delivered, and Satan is defeated. Hallelujah. I can go into this battle Hallelujah, and declare before we sling the first stone, the giant's coming down. Hallelujah. Amen. So every day he's beat, and every day he's beat, and every day he's beat, and he's about to die. One day he's trying, you know, shaking the gate. Maybe he left it open this time. Maybe, maybe, oh, 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 you know, trying to get out. And he can't get out. And he lays back down and collapses on the ground. And as his hand hits himself across the chest, he feels something. And he begins to feel, what is that in my pocket? It's a promise. It's a promise. Yes, sir. It's a promise. And one promise is good as another. Yes. Hallelujah. One promise works as well as another. Oh, 
know the promises of God are true. Somebody help me preach now. David went down there to get a stone, but there was thousands of stones, not just five stones. Amen. He didn't have to look for a bunch of stones. There was a bunch of them. He didn't have to scrounge around for five of them. There were plenty of stones. We got plenty of stones. And it only takes one. It only takes one promise. Every promise of God is good as that next promise of God is just as true. Just take one. I am the Lord God that healeth thee of all of thy diseases. By my stripes you were healed. Amen. Just take one of those promises. He reaches down in his pocket and pulls it out. A key. A key. Oh my. Could it work? Will it work? Will it work? Well, it won't work unless you try. Until you put it in and turn it till the hand of faith takes it. Listen, there are thousands of stones laying right here in this Bible, but every one of them are dormant until you put them in a sling and let it go in Jesus' name. you no good unless you put it in the sling. Come on. Hallelujah. Brother Brennan said a, a stone there is a faith in the promise. Are you with me? Amen. But the sling is the name of Jesus Christ. And you take that stone and put it in the name of Jesus and every devil's gonna come down. It'll hit the target. It'll kill the giant in your life. It'll overcome for you. And he took that key and put it in. And it fit. And I want you to know this key will fit to unlock any promise of God for you. trying to tell you, you don't have to keep laying there in the, in the jailhouse. Amen. In the valley of despair, you don't have to keep laying there. Is somebody with me now? Amen. Take the key of promise and put it in the lock and there's no devil can hold you bound anymore. Hallelujah. He conquered every sickness. He conquered temptation. He conquered every enemy. And I want you to know your enemy is conquered. But you know, a lot of times we go through things and next thing we know we find we are right in another jam. I don't understand this, Brother Tim, why we have so many trials. Well, you know, Paul got blow after blow. You know, a, a tormentor came 
Amen. Give me another microphone. I'm tired of this one. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, you know, yeah. I pull it. Let's see. Who preaches with this microphone? Yeah, go ahead. Well, we can take the we'll take the jacket. Well, David said an ecclesiastical vesture won't fit a man of God, so we'll just get rid of it. for us to face things in this life and overcome them. Not them overcome us, but us overcome them. Somebody with me now? So, he, you know, you know, Christian, he gets, up, he gets up there and he hears a ferocious roar. I didn't even sound like a good lion. Hallelujah. My grandchildren would have loved it though. Hallelujah. And there, you know, he sees a lion in the path. And now he's afraid. How will I ever get to my goal? How will I ever reach the celestial city? And of course, you know, um, there was some of his friends left him at that time. And, you know, they ran, patients ran, different others run, and, you know, they're, they're overcome by fear. But he says, I've got to reach the goal. Somehow or another, I, I don't know, even if a lion eats me, I'm gonna, if I have die, I'm going to die trying. And so he, he sees the lion up, up ahead and hears the roar. And he's, he's, he's going along, taking one step at a time, looking at this lion, watching him, wondering when he's, going to come running toward him. He noticed the lion stays in the same place, just roaring. So he gets up closer and closer, and his heart is pounding. And he looks over there as he gets up close, and the lion is chained. And not only that, but he's been declawed and defanged. I'm trying to tell you your enemy has been chained by the word of God. Come on now. Hallelujah. Your enemy has been chained. Your enemy has been defeated. He's been declawed and defanged. Come on now. And you can pass right on by him on your way to the promise. Why, bro? 
Brother Brandon preached to us, do you fear cancer? What was he trying to tell you? It ain't nothing to fear. It's been declawed and defanged. And beside that, there wasn't a meeting that he ever went to that cancer didn't get scared and start screaming. It ain't something we're supposed to be afraid of. It's supposed to be afraid of us. We're not the defeated one. He is. Amen. Now let me just make it clear. Satan does not have the power of death. The Bible said in Hebrews 2.14, for, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death. That is the devil. Amen. Fear not, I'm the first and the last. I'm he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. They were taken from him. You know, when Satan tried to blow, you know, tried to kill Brother Branham, but with a gun blowing up in his face, this is what he said. It was him sitting on that bench the other day when Satan seen a chance to kill me, but he couldn't do it. He tried this 12 years ago, but he couldn't do it. And he don't have the power today to do it. Hallelujah. And he'll never do it until Christ says it's ready. And no matter how many times he comes, he'll go back empty handed until Christ gives an order. Hallelujah. Amen. No matter how many times he comes, he'll go back empty handed. Empty handed until Christ says, come on home. And death ain't gonna ride you to heaven. You're gonna ride death to heaven. Because death is only an obedient slave to bring you out of this dimension into another dimension. Hallelujah. Brother Branham would write and pick up your pen and write. He says, nothing can harm us, not even death. Says I'm an, he says, I'm an heir of divine healing. I'm an heir of joy. I've got a right to be happy. So what makes you so happy? I've got a right to be. How do you know? Because I'm an heir to it. Amen. I feel religious. I'm an heir to happiness. I'm an heir to joy. I'm an heir to peace. I'm an heir to eternal life. I'm an heir to the Holy Spirit. I'm an heir to every evidence it's got. Amen. I'm an heir to the authority of God. Who made you that? Not me. He did. Amen. Every one of you is an heir to the same thing. Amen. An heir to the throne. He that overcometh shall sit with me on my throne as I have overcome and have sat down with my father's throne. An heir of all things. Not just one thing, all things. Everything's under your feet. Even death is under your feet. Grave is under your feet. Hell is under your feet. 
Sin is under your feet. Everything is under your feet and you're an heir. Hallelujah, you're dead and your life is hid in God through Jesus Christ and you've rose again to eternal life sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Who he said, call us anything you want to. Call us what you want to. Say we're crazy if you want to, but we're heirs. Heirs to what? All things. Amen. Both seen, present, future to everything, I'm an heir to it. Hallelujah. And when he rose, he arose for our justification. Romans 4.25 said, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Do you believe that? He was raised in order to share his righteous life with us. And in doing so, he rose from the dead. Amen. Yes, I mean, you do believe that, don't you? Yeah. He rose from the dead. And, and in that, in that uh, stripes and beatings and crucifixion had resulted in death. Just as your sickness, the devil, uh, hands to you is meant for your death. Right. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. But by his resurrection, he not only defeated sin but he defeated sickness. He defeated cancer. He defeated heart trouble. He defeated every known or unknown malady to man. Hallelujah. It's all been defeated. Because in his body, when he raised it up, it was victorious over death and everything beneath it. Amen. Ephesians 1.20, he raised him from the dead and sat him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Amen. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Amen. Raised him from the dead, set him in heavenly places. Far above all principality. Ever spiritual wickedness every demon of hell, every devil, somebody help me. Amen, in every name. Did you hear me? Every name that is named. Hallelujah. Amen, we, we have went along for the last little bit wondering what the name of this devil is. Well, it doesn't change his power. Amen, knowing his name doesn't change his power, he's still defeated. Amen, that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. Come on, Philippians 2, 9. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. It declares right here in the word of God, his name is higher than cancer. His name is higher than sickness. His name is higher than any sin. His name is higher than any disease. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee 
Cancer has to bow. Sickness has to bow. Sin has to bow. Every kind. I don't care how long it's been in your family tree and how much has been handed down. It has to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Beings in all three worlds has to bow to the name of Jesus. That name holds dominion over Satan and his entire kingdom. Hallelujah. My God showed himself greater than Lucifer. Amen. He's greater than his imps. Those unclean spirits, those tormentors. He defeated cancer right then. He defeated every sickness, every disease. He rose up well. Healed, delivered. Hallelujah. The only thing he left was some signs in his hands and his side. Amen. To say that I was he that was dead. And I'll never forget you because your names are engraved in the palms of my hands. Hallelujah. He didn't raise an almost dead man. He didn't raise a crippled man. He didn't raise a sick man. He didn't raise with wounds and bleeding and bloody and glory and death. He didn't raise like that. He raised perfect and healed and delivered and triumphed over every disease, over every sickness. Hallelujah. He triumphed over it all. That at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess the Lordship of Christ. And blessed be the name of the Lord. He gave you and me the right to use his name because we're born in the same family and we have that family name that any time ever son of God ever says, devil, you go. Cancer, you go. Sickness, you go. It has to obey you. Because you've been given the authority to use that name. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent back his spirit to dwell in us so we could share in his life that because he lives, we shall be lived, we shall live also. Amen, come on. Amen, because that he raised up sinless, even you by being dead to sin, amen, and, and buried with him in baptism, you too can rise in the newness of life. Hallelujah. Amen, with abundant life, and you that are sick can be healed. And immediately after having parted his life, immediately after the Holy Ghost came, immediately they began to impart healing to the man at the gate called Beautiful. And Satan and sickness were cast out. Is that right? This is the commission, Matthew 10 and verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. As freely as you received, freely give it. Hallelujah. 
Amen. You, you receive healing freely. Come on. We're to offer healing. Amen. We received salvation freely, didn't we? We are to offer salvation. Hallelujah. You see, divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. Somebody with me now? Amen. That's what divine healing is, is the earnest of the resurrection. Just, just as the Holy Ghost is a down payment on an endless life. You see, the, the, the same is true that you know, we do not have yet immortal bodies. We still are here in, in mortal bodies. Our soul has been redeemed and we got a deposit called the Holy Ghost. Is that right? It's called the earnest or the down payment. As Brother Branham would say often, you know, if, if we have this kind of joy here, just having the deposit, what are we gonna have when we get the fullness? Come on. And right now, we've got a deposit. Come on. The earnest of our resurrection and it's called divine healing. And it's a down payment that there are gonna be people on earth, amen, who will be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye and be healed from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. It is a down payment on your new body. Hallelujah. Amen. He would tell us over and over, if there's no divine healing, there's no resurrection of the dead. Brother Branham would tell us over and again, he says, now, he says, if I can't get you to believe for divine healing of the body, how am I gonna get you to believe and receive faith for rapture? Amen. Now, don't misinterpret that just because maybe you don't get the faith for a certain malady in your life or whatever that, that you, you, your, your soul isn't saved. It has nothing to do with your soul. But he's just simply saying that if the church can't even believe for divine healing, then how are we going to believe for the change of our body? Amen. person gives a heart trouble and God heals that part, gives them a new heart. You know, he's 60 years old. He don't get a 14-year-old heart. He gets a 60-year-old heart just healed and well. Are you with me? I mean, this, this is what God does, and, and, and this is what he offers. He offers healing for the body, salvation for the soul. Is that right? Amen. But if we can't believe... You know, if we can't even believe that God's a healer of the body, how are we gonna believe that people that you can't even find a spoonful of ashes for seven ages are gonna be so, so healed, delivered, set free until they're standing back on their feet again, resurrected? Come on. If we can't believe that God can heal just a little part of our body, how can we believe that the dead in Christ are gonna rise? And God has asked this age to believe something very, very important. You are to believe for the change of the body and the meeting in the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit you have 
is the earnest of our eternal life. Amen. Divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. That's the reason that God included divine healing. How could you take it out of the gospel? When he was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we were healed. Listen, let me quote to Brother Branham. The same blood from the same man on the same day, one for healing, one for, one for salvation, one for healing. To deny one is to deny the other. You see, it was a dual atonement. He said they've turned it around today in the days of Jesus here on the earth in a physical body. They said, we know he can heal, but he makes himself God by forgiving sins. Amen. But today they say he's all right, he can forgive sins, but he can't heal. But he says, praise be to God, he can do both. And he says, I'm a witness and you're a witness. Both salvation for the soul and salvation for the body. Do you know what lays in the very center of God's will? You know, the Bible is God's will. It's called a testament. His will and testament. Right? It's his covenant. Do you know laying right in the very center of God's word, in the very center of God's word is Psalms 103. That's the very center of the King James Bible. And Psalms 103 says, who forgiveth all our iniquities and healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Laying right in the center of God's will. The center of his will and testament. Right in the middle, bridging the way for the old and the new covenant. Come on now. I'm the healer. I forgive all iniquities and I heal all diseases and I redeem thy life, whether it's sickness or whether it's sin from destruction. God put it right in the center of your Bible to tell you that's the center of his will. This is what he did on your behalf to heal your sickness and save you from your sins. Amen. The Bible said in Matthew 8 and verse 17, he himself took our infirmities, that's weaknesses, and he bare our sicknesses, that's diseases. As believers, we do not have to tolerate sin in our lives because Jesus bore our sins. And neither do we need to tolerate sickness in our bodies because Jesus bore our sickness. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 and four, surely he hath borne, that means carried away. He carried away our griefs. That word really is interpreted, uh, the true translation of it from the Hebrew. He, he hath carried away our sicknesses and diseases and carried our sorrows, which is pains. He carried your pains. He bore our griefs, sicknesses, and diseases. First Peter 2.24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. 
Now, if he bore them, you don't need to bear them. I'm, I'm giving a declaration tonight. Amen. That if he bore them, you don't have to bear your sins. Not another day. Not another minute. Because he bore your sins. Are you with me? Amen. Now, if we have to bear them, Jesus didn't need to bear them. Amen. It would be useless for Jesus to bear them. And Jesus became sick with our diseases. As God, he couldn't do that. But, I, but God became a man and took on a veil of flesh. He knew no sickness until he became a man. He knew no sin until he became a man. And the object of Christ's sin bearing was to make righteous all that believe in him to be their sin bearer. And the object of his disease bearing is to, is to make well all those who would believe in him as their disease bearer. And this healing is so abundant. Jesus said, the miracles that I do shall you do also. Amen. Not only that, but you as a redeemed son and a righteous son can speak his word and ask anything in his name. Satan cannot stand before that name now any more than he can stand before the man who gave you the right to use it. Amen. Amen. Brother Branham tells us in the Pergamian church age, this word he has left behind on printed page is a part of him when you accept it by faith into a spirit-filled life. He said his word was life. Amen. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, if any man not have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. There it is. He is spirit. He is life. That's exactly what the word is, and that's exactly what Jesus is. He is the word. So when a spirit-born, spirit-filled man in faith takes that word into his heart, and places it upon his lips, while that is the same as deity speaking, every mountain has to go. Satan cannot stand before that man. I'm talking to a church tonight that Satan cannot stand before. I'm talking to a people tonight Satan cannot stand before. That a word has been given to you. Are you with me now? Hallelujah. You may feel like a little weakling like David felt before Goliath with a puny little sling and little stones against a mighty giant, but his faith went into action. Hallelujah. And his, his little puny arm became a whirlwind of power. And God took a hold of that arm and that puny stone became a lethal weapon. Hallelujah. Amen. When David looked, what he saw was his God was bigger than any giant. Come on. We may be thinking we're facing a giant, but our God is bigger than any giant. Amen. I have been preaching since the New Year's 
On Joshua 1 and 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy thy mouth. You gotta keep saying the word. Confessing what God said. Amen. But thou shalt meditate in it day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Hallelujah. I'm announcing tonight that death a disease is as powerless as it was when the Son of Man walked the earth. Demons fear the word today and the lips of a man who walks with God as when they bowed to it in, the, in Jesus' day. All hell knows the power of Jesus' name. They know our legal rights and our authority, so they're fighting to keep us in ignorance of our legal rights or if we know them to keep us under condemnation so we won't use them. Amen, but Matthew 18, 18 said, verily, verily, I say unto you, what things soever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And what things soever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to say what power we have. Amen, let's use our power. Will we arise to our mighty heaven-given privileges? Amen, somebody's got to do it. There's not another age. Somebody's got to believe the message. Somebody's heart's got to be turned. Somebody's going to stand for truth. Somebody's going to believe it. It might as well be you. It might as well be me. Somebody's gonna do it. The word's gonna be fulfilled. It might as well be me. It might as well be now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does this mean? It means everything it says, thank God. You can set diseased men free. The works that I do shall you do also. We can set demon-bound men free. You can break the chains that bind men in that mighty name. Guess what happens anytime anybody gets saved? The devil gets defeated. That was the king and the Lord in their life and he got dethroned and a new king come and sat on the throne. The altar's only the battleground. Come on, amen, that's exactly what the church is, it's a battleground. You see, the Spirit of God has challenged you to, tonight to, to rise and live this truth. You know, take the book, eat the book, and then speak the book. God's hands are tied until he can use ours. 
Angels are our servants. They can't do our work. Amen. God's limited to our faith and our obedience to his word. The only thing that will limit God is your faith. Otherwise, he's unlimited. Come on. God is big, only worth Some man makes him big. Amen. By using this divinely given authority, we, we are the body of Christ. The head is powerless without the hands and the feet. Amen. Let's be men of God. Let's be a mighty armor. army. You know, to, listen, the Bible said he's the Lord of hosts. Is that right? You say, Brother Tim, that's angels. Well, look at Revelation 19 and see if it's just angels. It ain't angels riding behind him on white horses. It's the sons of God. And if he's the Lord of hosts and he's the Lord of armies, he's got an army right here in this church tonight. Hallelujah. He's got generals right here in this church tonight. He's got men of God. He's got men of faith. He's got people he's gonna use in this generation because he's the Lord of armies. Brother Branham said in perfect faith, I'll just see how advanced my church is on what we believe in. Just see how advanced the people are and how they're ready to take the sword and walk out in the front line and say, I challenge you, Satan. See, I challenge you, you can't make me, you can't make me disbelieve anymore. What are these things done for so that people will believe? It's the word, it shows that what I'm preaching to you is the truth, the word. And the word made flesh, made flesh in you, made word, made life in you, made life in me. So God gives you a sword. Ah, well, Brother Tim, we're third pull believers, brother. We believe in the opening of the word. Well, you know, I, I do too. But when it comes to a prophet of God, it came as a sword. A sword in the hand, not a sword in the scabbard. And Brother Brandon said, you know, I, I must be faithful to this third pull. It's the message. Amen. It's the word that has been put in your hands. It's not for decoration. Is somebody with me? It's not, it's not to make you self-important. Not for decoration to sit on your side and I'm in the Lord's army. If you're in the Lord's army, get your sword out. We got a devil to defeat. Hallelujah. And as we defeat this Goliath, there's a many more that we got to get out there and defeat. Amen. Every one of you got your own Goliath to go out there and defeat. He put a sword in your hand, but a sword ain't any good as long as it's not welded by hand. It's got to be held in a hand. And the hand that this one is held in, if you look at Revelation 19, that his sword is in his what? Mouth. He holds his sword where? He sent his word and healed them. By his word, he cast out devils. The sword of the Lord, the word of God in your mouth will defeat the devil anywhere, any place, anytime. 
but it's got to be put in your mouth and must become your confession. Because the moment he gets you to disbelieve your weapon, you are defeated. But if you believe in your weapon, you will hold it and speak it with faith. And when faith comes through the word, it ignites the word and makes it work. And it casts out devils, it heals the sick, it saves the lost. But it's dormant. As long as it's in a scabbard, it won't cut butter. But once it's taken in your, puts on your lips, it's the same as deity speaking. It takes a strong hand of faith to cut through everything the devil can put there and make every promise of God, you know, shine forth. Amen, a strong hand of faith. Brother Branham had a lot to say about that. You know, Joshua knew his position. I'm winding down. It's okay. You'll you'll be all right. You're not going to pass out. (laughs) But you know, he looked at the sun and the moon, commanded them to stand still. That took courage. Whoever thought that with word, now you can say how you want to, how the the sun stood still, the earth quit moving, whatever. I, I don't really care the mechanics. I just know the dynamics. It doesn't matter, you know, you know, what the physics was or whether the sun stopped or whether the earth stopped. Well, the sun don't move. The earth rotates. You know, all, all, of the, all the weird ideas that we come up with, you know, why this word don't work. All I know is the light held till every enemy was defeated. I can't explain it. I just know what happened. And there's a lot of this I can't explain, but I just know it works. Proverbs 4.20 said, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. That word has never failed in the mouths of believing Christians. You see, the word is alive and the word has to act. So therefore, you see, he stood there on the promise of God. He could look back over and he could see, Moses said, let there be darkness. And there was darkness all over Egypt, but let there be light in Goshen. And he, and he said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I need some more light. Sun, stand still. Are you with me? Amen. It's exactly right. I mean, you know, there there again, the promise is there. And Brother Brown tells you, you've got the power in you to do that now. He said that God doesn't have little weak spots and big heavy spots is powerful. The least little touch of God is omnipotent. He said you got enough power in you right now to make a new world. That's the power of the word that, that is in you. Amen, we just need to target against the enemy. It's more than just a system of religious beliefs where you understand doctrine and it becomes your new creed. Not just a faith, a firm belief so that you can embrace a new philosophy, but a, you know, but a living faith. This message was sent to vindicate the Bible. 
not replace the Bible, but to prove it right. The seals were opened to remove the mysteries off of its truths, to reveal Christ to us, to show his nature and his attitude. What I don't understand is how come today so many people are claiming the book is open, there's less power after it was opened than before it was open. If the book is open, then every promise is open to us. We got an abstract of the title deed that it belongs to us. We should have more now that the seals were open than before they were open. Because now the whole every promise in the book belongs to you. This message is show you God's attitude toward the lost, his attitude toward the sick. Amen, that his mercy is so great. Amen. Coming right down now to something. I want to come and bring this down to close as we come here. Now, you know, Jesus asked, will I find faith on the earth? He didn't say, will I find nice churches? Will I find good people? But will I find somebody that believes? Malachi 4 was sent to turn your heart from unbelief back to faith again. Amen. To cause the people to believe so that we can have a conscious faith to, to, uh, to, to hold on to the promise. Let me just tell you a little, you know, a little experience that I had this year that where the Lord spoke to me. You know, some people have visions, some people have dreams. I have dreams sometimes that God has used. But, but there's been many times that God has spoke to me in audible voice. I hear his voice speak directly. Amen. And you know, I, I, we, got a, we got a brother in the church that Satan has done his best to kill. And you know, he's just... Not even his three score and 10, you know, but Satan's done his best to kill him. Just before our annual uh, October meetings two years ago, the doctors had given him up to die, called his family in, said he just got hours to live, get, had a son in Montana to call home and get him home, get everybody, the family together, the man's going to die. Well, it was before our October meetings. Be quite honest with you, I didn't want a funeral in my October meetings. I've started asking people in my church to make an appointment when they're going to die. Because most of the time it ain't convenient. Loosening you up for something. So the devil's been doing his best to kill him. You know, and so he, he, his, he was, they had told him he was going to die, called the family in. He's at a very low hour, low time. I, went to, I was in church that morning. I spoke that Sunday morning on speaking to your mountain. And it was just, just the Sunday before the meetings would begin on Wednesday. And so, you know, I, I told the brothers, the, the minister brothers in the church, I said, come go with me. We're going to go to the hospital and pray for Brother Kenneth. He's laying on, you know, on his deathbed. He's going to die 
the doctors say. But I said, let's go. To, I said, I, I've just prayed. I just preached about speaking to our mountains, sonship and our position. I said, so we're going to go down to that hospital room and we're going to deal with that devil today. So, you know, when I walked in and looked at him, I said, you know, Brother Kenneth, we just got out of church. And I've just been preaching about the revealing of sons and the power of the spoken word and speaking to your mouth. And I said, you know, doctors say you're dying. I said, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know, I asked the same question to a lady some, oh, 20 years ago. She had cancer in the female organs. Doctors was going to do a surgery and take everything out. And... Uh, so, you know, I, the night before, because surgery was going to be real early in the, the morning, I wouldn't get a chance to see her. So the night before the surgery, I walked in there and I said to her, I said, well, you know, what's the doctor say? Well, I got cancer. I got it in the female organs. They're going to remove everything tomorrow. I said, okay. Well, what do you want me to do about it? And she said, well, I'd cut his head off. So I said, okay, then we're going to cut his head off. That's right. There you go. Amen. We prayed for her right there. She goes for the surgery and the next morning they can't find a trace of the cancer. Oh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I, this brother you know you're you know what do you want me to do what do you want to do about this you know you're ready to go be with the Lord they're calling your family in you're a Christian but what do you want to do about it he said well I want to be in church on Wednesday night there you go. Yeah. and I said okay then we know how to how to pray. We know what to ask. We know, we know how to operate. The doctor gave him up. He had cancer all through his body. He had, um, you know, he had, um, he had at that time, well, no, he had, didn't have cancer then. He had a heart condition, was, was dying with his heart condition. And so we prayed for him. And on Wednesday night, he was in church. Thursday night, he was in church. Friday night, he was in church. Saturday, two services, he was in church. And Sunday, he was in church. And he's still coming to church. in the summer the doctor said he had cancer in, in his blood I told you the devil was trying to kill him he's come blow after blow and they said he had cancer in the blood leukemia lymphoma it spread to one third of parts of his one third of his bones the lymph nodes was in his stomach was so huge that his stomach swelled out visibly just way out doctors said they could burst any minute said he had cancer in 50% of his body 
And just, just um, you know, he, he, he went through some, some time of that. And somewhere about August, he went into and he had a doctor's visit. And the doctor came in with the examination room. And he came in smiling and he said, let me just shake the hand of an awesome man. Wow, 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 wow. And he says, your blood work shows you have no cancer. Well, trying to wrap his mind around this, not understanding exactly what the doctor said, he asked the doctor again about the cancer, and the doctor said, what cancer? There is no cancer, it's gone, and I can't explain where it went, but your lymph nodes is normal, and everything is normal, your blood work is normal, and you are cancer-free. don't give up sometimes so he strikes him back down with oh, with a with a heart condition where he's having his arteries clogging and he's had so far 30 stents in his heart that's a record six balloon procedures you've been through numerous um, heart attacks back in November of 2019 doctors gave up on him said we can't do anything more said, your heart will explode any time. They, they examined him. They said, we will look to see if we can do open heart and see if we can do something. But he said, nah, you're, you're not a candidate for it. We ruled it out. It's too risky. And, you know, God had healed him of cancer, and he's a miracle. But, you know, here this enemy still coming and trying with heart, heart trouble that's trying to kill him. And the doctors, you know, had, had told him, you know, you got this cardiovascular disease that keeps clogging your arteries and, you know, it's got to place we can't do nothing more for you. You, you know, you have another, uh, another spell, you're gone. You know, just get ready to die. So, you know, I hear this news because they were talking about open heart and all of this and, you know, and I, I was praying about it all through the night. I'm talking to the Lord, you know, and I'm saying, you know, Lord, Kenneth, you understand what is what he's going through. What 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 to do about it? You know, and it was Wednesday, November the thirteenth. I woke early, and I was preparing my first cup of coffee. And through the night, as often as I woke, I was praying for this brother. And when he was doing a medically induced stress test, the top of his heart quit working. Doctors had made that decision, open heart of death, and they were discussing the option of that heart condition, and we would rule out that they couldn't do anything. And so I was got up, and, and I was praying for him, and I, and, and I told the Lord, I said, God, Kenneth is at a showdown. If he don't get a healing, he will die. And I said, what are you going to do about it? I wasn't being smart. I was asking, what are you going to do about this? And, and so as soon as I got that out of the mouth, the voice of God came roaring back to me and he says, I've already done my part. What are you going to do about it? I'll tell you what we did. 
We brought him down to the front, anointed him with oil, and prayed the prayer of faith. <laughs> Amen. You think about it just for a moment. It's not what God's going to do about it. He's already done it. He paid for your healing. He paid for your sins. He already done it. It's a finished work. I'm asking you, was not Calvary sufficient? Hallelujah. Wasn't it complete? Didn't the blood that was shed heal every disease? Amen. Did it save every sinner? Isn't it a complete work? Then it's true. It isn't what God's going to do about it then. He's already done it. He's already healed every sick person. He's already saved every lost person. And I want to announce tonight his blood is sufficient. And every devil is already defeated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You know, really, we should never ask God to heal anyone. He's already done it. It's up to us to believe and accept it and then command Satan to take his hands off of God's property. Exodus 23, 25, I will take sickness from the midst of thee. This is what God said he would do. It's the creator at work. You get healed tonight, the enemy will attack again. You got healed through the fire, the enemy's attacked again. It's not like your soul, your soul gets saved, you'll never have to be saved again. Amen, it never gets lost again. But your physical realm's under a curse because of Adam's fall and we can't live forever and we were born in this world to die. Amen, so time upon time on time, Satan buffets us and he attacks and God heals us and he attacks again and God heals us and he attacks again. But God says, what are you gonna do about it? Amen. And I'll tell you what I'm gonna do about it. He commissioned his church to cast out devils and sickness is a demon. Amen, I can't heal and furthermore, Jesus Christ cannot heal. Amen. If he stood here with my clothes on tonight and stood here in my shoes, amen, he could not heal anybody. Amen. You see, you would say, Jesus, will you heal me? He'd say, I can't do it. I'd have to go back on my word. I said 2,000 years ago, it's finished and it's still finished. Yeah. All you gotta do is receive it. That's why we don't have to call him down from heaven to heal us. He's already healed us. He already came down from heaven to heal every person, to save every sick one to save every sinner. He paid the price, it's a finished work. All we are gonna do is cast the devil out. Amen. So what I did is I, I did what God said do. I anointed him with oil and we prayed the prayer of faith. I didn't call brothers up hoping that one of them had the faith to do this. We have the faith and that faith is, is we believe what God said in his word to be true. Say, well, Brother Tim, I, I, I'm, I don't have much faith. Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that God's word is true? Do you believe that God does not lie? 
Well, then you got all the faith you need right there. Faith is just simply believing that God is going to do what he said he would do. Hallelujah, that's all faith is. Since then, Brother Kenneth's had the war. The devil told him he would die before Thanksgiving, but he lied. Told him then he would die before Christmas, but he lied. Amen, then he said he wouldn't live to see the New Year's, but he lied. Amen, then he told him he would die before his granddaughter got married last month, but he lied. Because he don't have the power of death. And the man's hardly missed a day of work. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you, friends, we have witnesses of healings from cancer, eye disease, kidney disease, brain bleeds, cripples walk, hair restored, people who were dying raised up to live again. These are great witnesses. I want to say these are great witnesses. You called them up on your platform of many who have been healed and are miracles in this place. But I want to tell you, we've got a greater witness than any miracle you ever seen. And that's the word of God who can never fail. Hallelujah. It is the greatest witness that says you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I hadn't been on the ground two hours when I arrived here that Brother Donnie Reagan and I didn't lay hands on him because he didn't want another night with the frogs. He said, I want my healing right now. It don't have to be tomorrow. You don't have to live with the frogs one more night like Pharaoh did. Send it tomorrow. Let the frogs die tomorrow. I say, let's take our promise tonight. Let's take our healing tonight. Let's take our miracle tonight. Let's take our mountain tonight. Hallelujah. We are here and we have a greater witness. It's his word. Lay your hands on somebody next to you. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You join together with other believers right where you are. You got needs in your life. You got needs in this church. The enemy has come in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord is here lifting up a standard against him. And I want you to know your enemy is a defeated enemy. He surrendered at Calvary. And by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. And we're believing tonight for your pastor. We're believing tonight for your need, for this church to be the kind of church who believes God's word and sees faith in action. Our faith is no good unless it's put in action. Faith without works is dead. We're gonna put it to work right now. Lay your hands on one somebody next to you and let's believe. Father, we're your children tonight and we come in your name. We believe, Lord, that you suffered for our sins. Lord, that you went to hell for our sins. That you bore our sickness. 
with every stripe you took, with every thorn that was poked into your brow, with the spear that was put in your side, with every whipping that you took, every slap that you took, you took it for us so that by your stripes we were healed. And I am announcing healing right now. I'm announcing healing for Brother Ron. I'm announcing healing for this church. I'm announcing healing for every believer. Why, I'm even announcing healing for my own self as I take God's word of promise in the name of Jesus and I speak to that mountain. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, every mountain has to go right now in Jesus' name. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Amen, you've got a mountain in your life. Do you believe it's gonna move right now? Amen, your mountain's gotta hear your voice now. Amen, you say to your mountain, you say to your mountain, you claim right now your healing. Let it come off your lips. Your sword ain't no good in the scabbard. Put it to work right now in the name of Jesus Christ and every mountain's gotta go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, the name of Jesus is higher than all names. You can name any sickness, any problem, any situation. And the name of Jesus is higher than them all. Do you believe that tonight? Then I want you to confess it right now. That the name of Jesus is Lord over your problem. Lord over your fear. Lord over your doubts. Lord over every enemy, every disease, every sin, every wickedness, everything, he is Lord. Amen, proclaim the Lordship of Christ right now. Claim him to be the Lord over your disease, over your sickness, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you believe it? Then open your mouth and say it. And proclaim it right now in the name of Jesus. He's my Lord. Amen, he's Lord over this sickness. He's Lord over this problem. He's Lord over this cancer. He's Lord over this disease. He's Lord over this diabetes. He's Lord over this affliction. He's Lord over all. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue confess. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you receive it? Then worship him from the bottom of your heart right now. Worship him. Let the musicians come. Hallelujah. Amen. Proclaim his lordship. Proclaim his word. Confess it's done. Walk in his promise. And believe it right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for this church right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I rally these troops to stand here and fight their battle to stand on the word of God knowing it never fails. I commit them now into your hands. Lord, in Jesus' name, as a good soldier to go fight the fight of faith, to believe for the impossible, to be possible. In Jesus' name. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste, glory divine. Amen. Are you in there tonight? Oh, 
here tonight, your story being read? It's one thing for Moses to be talked about and Joseph and even the other prophets. But when it came to your time, and your story was read, and all those generational curses were lifted off of you, placed on the body of Jesus and he bore it all. All the sicknesses and afflictions that come our way, he already bore it for us. Brother Ron, are we praying that God healed you? No, we're thanking him for already healing us. Hallelujah. Now we ask, and he always answers his word. And we stop to thank him. We thank him for doing what he said he will do. I want to be one of those servants that comes back and says, thank you, Jesus. You remembered your promise. You remembered what you said you would do. But what about the circumstances? It doesn't matter about the circumstances. It doesn't matter about what you feel. It just take him at his word. Hallelujah. What about you tonight? What about you standing there? What about your situation? This is my story. This is my song. Hallelujah. We can tell your story, Sister Karen. Satan wanted to take your life. Right out of the blue, wanted to take your life. But you're standing here tonight well. You're living your testimony tonight. You're living it out. God bless you. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor. Thank you for being here. You're a living testimony. Sometimes we think, Brother Tim came by. Let me just say, these men are extremely busy. And as a matter of fact, he was supposed to be in Japan next week, and so was I. And Satan thinks that he's thwarted a lot of plans. Oh, no. Oh, no. God knows and he cares and he answers prayers. Hallelujah. Those meetings will happen at a delayed time. But he reached down his hand for me. The song says, I was near in despair when he came to me there. God bless you. I want to sing that song one more time tonight. Hallelujah. Blessed assurance, Jesus mine, this is my story. This is my song. Hallelujah. God bless you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 
In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you this evening. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you, Brother Matthew. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine.